Welcome to X-Rated Movies. I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. And the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. And we are two guys that used to date, and now we do not. No. The answer is no, Matt. How many times do I have to tell you no? One day you'll say yes. <laughs> and this week <laughs> happens to bring a very special date. What? I refuse to be a part of this conversation. <laughs> I believe someone is hitting a milestone here. <sighs> that sound is my, the sinews of my muscles and, and joints just creaking away. Like a good rocking chair, <laughs> which you'll no doubt be knitting from <laughs> shortly. I'll soon be sitting in and regaling everybody about my tales of wearing a turnip on my belt as I took the ferry to Shelbyville. <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to say you could regale us all with tales of, uh, you know, the Reagan administration or <laughs> what it was like to get a VCR. That's right. <laughs> I'm turning 40, folks. That's why That's why we're going this route. Yeah, I remember what it was like to, uh, to see the Care Bears movie in the theater. <laughs> you remember a day before there was a uh, woman on the Supreme Court? <laughs> I remember well when Sandra Day O'Connor... Uh, was seated and sworn in. <laughs> I'm not. Is that true? When did she? Yeah. Sit? Okay. Was, yeah. She Reagan was, appointer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. I've been alive since the Carter administration. Everybody. Wow. I know. So you. I have, was alive before MTV was a thing. Whoa. So you have a vivid memory of uh, you know, video killed the radio star. Uh huh. Yeah. The whole family just <laughs> gathered round by candlelight to watch. <laughs> The christening of a new station. <laughs> yeah, my, my father threw the candelabra <laughs> down the hallway and said, I'll be in a cold grave before radio dies. <laughs> and then he put on his Dickensian nightcap and <laughs> stormed to the West Wing to <laughs> respire. Oh, the things that you've seen. I, oh. I absolutely remember when I was a kid asking my dad if he had electricity when he was growing up. And he goes, how old do you think I am? <laughs> and like, it, I was like, hey, you know, 1950s, that was still like horse and buggy, right? And yeah. I mean, I think about it, like, it's like, especially growing up as a teenager in the 90s, just some of the things we believed back then and no longer do... Uh, in regards to science, such as margarine is better. Yeah, things like that. Eggs are bad. H- health in general was one where I'm like, we don't really know what we we're doing. Well, I mean, uh, Surge Cola, their television commercials actively said uh, like twice the caffeine and all the sugar of your normal colas. Great. <laughs> yeah. Get that for your kids. Pump them full of it. Uh, I remember when Surge Cola, like, we had a Surge Cola machine in oh, my no, high school. It wasn't Surge. It was a... Uh, Jolt? Jolt. Yeah, Surge was 90s. Jolt was 80s, I think. Right. Gross. I yeah, Surge mean... Cola goes for like 190 bucks for an unopened can on oh. eBay. Did you look at OK Soda from last week? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. OK, OK. That must be fun, like, growing up, like, or, or being born, like, in 1980. Yeah. I think about that sometimes because I hit a milestone when everybody else hits a milestone. Like, we hit a new decade. I hit a new decade. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to figure out my age that way. Well, so you were 20 in, in, when the millennium hit. Yeah. When the millennium hit. <laughs> uh, it's 
right? Because <laughs> uh, I, I was a mere 15 years young. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did get drunk, even though I was only 19, everybody. I was going to say that. Wow, really breaking the rules. But to me, like 20, you're, you know, kind of an adult. Like, I have vivid memories of when I was 20. Yeah, oh, for sure. Uh, whereas, like, I kind of, like, still view myself as a kid in that instance. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember 9-11. <laughs> Wow, you got me beat. Well, I just, I I had this thought the other day where I'm like, the kids that are graduating from high school this year were born like 2001. Mm -hmm. So they don't remember 9 11. Real cursed generation right there. (laughs) Let's just say that. They're born when the Twin Towers fall. They've lived 18 years under war and they can't even fucking walk. Whatever. This generation has also never not known the internet. Like, can you imagine a life before pornography, Ryan? <laughs> I do remember like logging on to get some porn and like like it's no joke. Like you'd click on a link and it would take 15 minutes to get one picture downloaded oh, yeah. to look at. Like oh. I'm not even kidding. And sometimes it'd be disappointing. <laughs> You're just like I've wasted. And it was like it would cl- like back then the phone Oh, was- it's some 40-year-old redhead. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. <laughs> Uh, but no, anybody who fetishizes the 90s, you didn't miss anything except um, economic growth for the United States <laughs> and general well-being all except around. Except peace, prosperity, and economic well-being. Right, for right, right. <laughs> so, um, but no, I look forward to the next 40 years of podcasting. <laughs> you know, our generation doesn't marry at the rate that it, previous generations did. Our generation doesn't have kids the way the previous generations did. So I'm, I'm hoping... That your generation will pave the way for uh, economical retirement homes, complete with recording studios for podcasting. Because <laughs> uh, wherever you retire to, save me a room. Got it. Because we're going to just be grumpy old men together. Uh, we still have lots of 90s movies to cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have new heydays by that point. Oh, yeah. The 2040s will be our new heyday. I can't wait for the... Um... New Zealand new wave or whatever. I'll tell you what, if this podcast doesn't make it big by the uh next centennial, then we'll have to call it quits. Okay. It's a deal. <laughs> It's like maybe if we could rewind I, the, this, if we could just go back like an hour, I'm yeah, sure I'd remember. I mean, the older I get, time just tends to feel crime differently. You oh. know, like it kind of, I I feel different about it. <laughs> okay, it's all relative. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it seems steadfast to me. Oh. if I could go back in time to when we first started doing this podcast. I wouldn't, because then we'd be have zero episodes. <laughs> we'd have to go do Bo Travai again. Yeah, we'd have to start all over. That includes going through some of our... Uh, I'd have to watch A Siren in the Dark again. I'd have to watch uh, Poison Ivy, you know. But then we get a chance to redo maybe some 
things that we didn't really grasp fully. American Anthem, perhaps. Oh, that's true. Fan of the Paradise. Early. Too early. Too early. We were ready. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, all this talk about time, that reminds me that we had a movie about time travel today. Is it time to go to time? The time that's changing all the time. It's time to go to time. It's time to go to time. We're unpinning a huge pin. Here's today's movie. The 2007 Spanish thriller, Time Crimes. Yeah, so you said that I initially, like way back in the day, this was like part of our original challenge that I gave you. I I have like zero memory of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah, from that initial list. Just being like, I don't remember what else. Top Hat was on that, I think. And um, yeah, probably some other ones. I can't remember, but this was like one of the big ones for me. Monkey Shines. Um, <laughs> this one really stood out as just like, this is what good, tight, independent cinema can be. I still love this movie. Yeah. It's so good because, I mean, time travel movies in general, I think we talked about this on Prisoner of Azkaban and Back to the Future. If you think too much about it, doesn't make sense you can't do that and this movie really doesn't allow you to yeah because they're near the beginning when he goes back in time the first time mm-hmm. which i'm, I'm paid and puking this one this is a spoiler filled free for all oh, we're gonna have to because yeah there's a little bit where i'm just like well how, why did he do this originally like why did he make this girl strip initially like this just kind of seems gratuitous but for all the logic that I try and put into it, it really just kind of boils down to like he realizes that he needed to do this, so he did it. Right. And it's just a snake eating itself mm-hmm. a little bit. It's not totally logically sound, but it's not logically flawed either. It just has to make sense within the context of the movie, and it does. I'd say it's pretty tight. So last time I watched this was almost exactly seven years ago <gasps> last time i watched it was may 5th 2013 how do i know you're not that matt <laughs> you'll never know okay uh, and i i own this movie like i I'm a, I'm a big big fan and i remember i worked at the record store when i'd first heard of it and you know new dvd release and i see the cover and it's like the pink bandage guy holding like the pair of scissors and looking like, a little like dark man yeah yeah <laughs> and i was like oh yeah this movie looks fucking awesome but, you know, this is back before streaming, because mm-hmm. this was probably 2007. Right. Netflix streaming was just a babe. Was it even a thing in 2007? I think it was just starting up, yeah. Okay. But someone at the record store, like, bought it and said, like, this movie's fucking awesome. And I was like, mm, all right. So I went to Scarecrow and rented it. I was like, this movie is fucking awesome. Yeah. And uh, that still holds true today. It's one of those movies, and I hate when we pick these sometimes, but I think we'll still have enough to talk about. It's like the joy is in the watching, like watching it unfold, seeing how things kind of like tie together. I hadn't seen this movie in several years. Um, I watched it twice for the podcast. I'll just say, but the first time going in, it's like, I know what happens, but I don't remember exactly how it all ties together and unfolds. So it is really thrilling when like he gets stabbed in the arm and then you're like, okay, I know that, like, at some point he's going to turn around with his hands and the binoculars and it's going to be... It still freaks me out. Yeah. I love that. (gasps) 
some of that stuff it like wasn't as scary because like I knew that it was coming. But I had also forgotten how twisty and turny it gets. I was like, I know he goes back multiple times, but why does he go back multiple times? Right. And then I was like, oh, that's right. His wife on the roof. And I'm like, oh, shit. Now he and it, I, I was like kind of sucked in all over again because like the basic premise, like the scariness wasn't as scary. Right. And, you know, he went back. I'm like, oh, he just needs to make sure that everything happens in the timeline the way that it's supposed to. I was like, no, this isn't quite as twisty and turny, but then it does get even more twisty and turny. And then there's like these different layers of like, there's, you know, the unknowing Hector that like right. just has to get to the machine in the time, you know, at the right point. And then there's Hector two that like knows everything that's going on. But then like, he, not what Hector three knows, but, but then he like, becomes Hector 3 yeah. as the movie goes along and then he has to he goes from having to just make sure that everything happens the way that it was supposed to to then also having to like change things that happen in a seamless way yeah. I'm like oh this movie got real complicated real quick <laughs> it's basically Rosh- time travel Rashomon no, a little bit because we're getting the same hour three times and it's the same guy living it three times but but like a different version of himself each time yeah it just feels like a real sturdy movie like this is one that like you can try and shake and it just holds steady yeah it's fun and i mean talk about stellar indie filmmaking four characters most of the time it's just one wandering around you've got one setting you know i mean you have a premise and a script and four actors, mm-hmm. no special effects. Mm-mm. Like it's all in the craft of making the thing. Yeah, it's like the that biggest makes it work. special effect is like the bright light that flashes when he's like in the actual time. And machine. that's just an edit. Yeah, <laughs> you know. When I watch it, I'm, all I see is this is somebody who's able to craft something really genuinely good out of bare bones material yeah the, the way that i describe this is uh it's like if alfred hitchcock directed a philip k dick adaptation because mm. it does sort of have that hitchcockian thriller aspect to it specifically like a wrongly accused person okay because he thinks that the guy in the bandages is the villain but he's really not but then he also kind of is yeah and it's like he kind of weaves in and out of being a villain, just depending on where in the timeline he is. You know, that's like the the hallmark of a Hitchcock film is like someone is wrongly accused and they have to like fight their way out of it. Sure. And then in a Philip K. Dick, like those are all science fiction, but also the hallmark of a Philip K. Dick story is that at some point you are the enemy. Okay. Like Total Recall. Blade Runner. Blade Runner, you are the He's, replicant. Yeah. Uh, Scanner Darkly is the same way. So, like, and this is the same way. It's like the wrongly accused person is you, but it's also the rightly accused person. Like, yeah, I came up with that description, you know, seven years ago, and I've liked it. And even watching this, I'm like, that still holds true. Yeah. It's so much fun to see him piece it together while he's going along. Like... We follow Hector 1 as he turns into Hector 2 and then Hector 3, even though it's all the same guy. And I think the reason I wanted to do this mainly was because we talked about it a little bit on the Handmaiden episode. Because, like, the idea of how it's put together and editing is similar, where it's like you're seeing 
scenes you've already seen before from a different angle and with new information. And like, that's all this movie is, is like first act, we get one run through second act. We get a run through of that same hour, but from the guy who already has all the information from the first time. And then the last part's the third one who has all the information from the first two. Mm-hmm. And so it's just well constructed, you know, too. Like it's just an elegant way to tell this story. Yeah. Keeping time travel close knit to where there's not these like wide ranging ripple effects. It's not like Terminator 2 where you get into like the loop of like, well, if he kills John Connor, then like there's no one that he has to kill in the future to like send back the T-1000. Wait, if you destroyed them in the past, then he won't ever be your enemy. Then you won't have to send a robot back to destroy him. And then he will be your enemy. So then you will have to send a robot back. Keeping it tight like this, like having just that he goes back one hour and that disrupts everything. Yeah allows like the the structure of the time travel just to be super sturdy yeah like you can't call into question the logic too much because it's like it's like just him chasing himself down making sure that he gets into that machine in a timely manner and like not have his wife die in the process yeah and also the structure allows for like multiple moments of the same thing like you get twice the bang for your buck on certain things like the scissor stab Specifically, he gets. We see the first time we see it, it's Hector one getting stabbed by Hector two, and that's shocking if you don't remember it. And then the second time we see Hector two stab Hector one, and it's like it's the same moment in time, but we get the thrill twice. Yeah, it almost kind of reminded me a little bit of a Duke of Burgundy. Oh, yeah, as well, because in that we kind of get the scene played out from one person's perspective, and then. We see it again later from the Dom's perspective and how she's like having to like make sure that she's waiting the correct amount of time and she's a little hesitant about some things. And it's like when he when Hector two is gonna stab Hector one, like he's like he's a little hesitant, he's like, just do it. You get the impression well, I thought he was aiming to get him in the neck, like he was gonna kill him. But because he like closed his eyes when he did it or something, he just ends up in the arm. Why would he kill him though? Because Hector two didn't want to wait around anymore. I guess I don't no, know. He needs to scare Hector one to to running towards like further into the forest so that he discovers the time machine. If he kills Hector one, that that means that he'll die. No, he'll be he'll he's the one who'll still be around. Why will he, he still went through the time machine though? If Hector one doesn't go through the time machine, well, but that's the thing is like if he does not kill Hector one, Hector one will just disappear at the end of the day. He will. Yeah, and then Hector two will be the Hector Prime and will be able to go home. I, I don't think, remember the disappearing thing. So if Hector two shows up, if we only have two Hectors, which we don't. Hector 2 shows up as Hector 1's getting in the machine. Hector 1 will disappear and go back in time. And then Hector 2 can go back down to the house and just live life again. Yeah. So that was like, that's the original hope. Is like, okay, he'll get in the machine. Everything's fine. But I don't know why he... Oh, so he just thinks he has to stab him because he stabbed him before? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. It's like, he remembers like the only thing that made me run away like towards the the laboratory was that i got stabbed and that scared the shit out of me and i thought he was gonna kill me oh right okay and so hector too is like 
well, I have to stab him because I got stabbed. Well, I got the impression that that's why he left, because otherwise he could have just hung out in the in the lab. Hector too could have, well, but he left because he was like, I feel the need to kill Hector one. No, really? Yeah. No, I, see, I thought that like he was not not that he was going to hang out the lab, but he like got in the car and he was going to hang out in the car till it all blew over. But then he got hit. And then the biker lady came to help him, and he realized, like, oh, this biker lady was integral to getting me off my ass in the uh, backyard. Sure, sure, So sure. now I have to, like, have an active hand in getting Hector 1 to go to the laboratory. And what did I do? I stabbed him. First, like, she needs to get topless, so it's like, well, I've deviated her from what she was going to do, so now I have to make sure she gets topless. And yeah. Works yeah. both ways, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. But I, I didn't get the killing aspect. Well, that's just what I was telling myself because I got the impression he was being impatient. <laughs> but maybe yours makes a lot of sense too. Well, yeah, because I, I just thought like he initially was going to wait it out, but then he was sitting in the car. The car got hit. But then why did he leave? Why did he leave the laboratory? Yeah. Because the scientists like lured him away. And I think it was because Hector 3 was still around. And you know how it is. You can't have all these people knowing about each other and seeing each other. Yeah. And Hector 3 knew that Hector 2 Would had to do all these things. And that Hector 3's grand plan was just to do the old switcheroo on who fell off the roof. Right. So Hector 2 still had to do all his normal shit. And then he was just going to do the old in-out with wife slash biker. Right. Okay. Gotcha question yeah i read a semi review by a.a doubt of the av club that says that this movie could be well like let me preface this adultery yeah but before that i i think the movie is just fine on its own it doesn't have to be about something Mm -hmm. like it can just be about how fun is time travel when you do it in a thriller like Mm -hmm. that's great but then like he he put it out there that it's a, a movie about adultery and I read that between the two viewings I did for this podcast. And on the second one, I'm like, oh, I see why he says that. Because it's like when the wife leaves to go to the store at the beginning, she like pats him on the shoulder and it shows her ring. Like it's like very evident. And then later when Hector crashes through the gate of the time travel area, he falls and it's like a really prominent his ring on his finger. And it's like after he's like, you know, gone to like check out this naked woman. So I'm like, that holds a little weight. It holds a little water for me. Okay. Um, Because then also, like, what is it like having an affair, but, like, you know, you're just constantly trying to, like, cover up for things you've done previously or, like, fix things you've done previously. So I do like that interpretation. How do you feel about it? Uh, I'm okay with it, yeah, because there, there is, like, a sense of duality. Like, with an affair, like, you might be one person with your your mistress or, you know, your manstress um, <laughs> versus how you are at home. And, like, there probably is a level of friction between reconciling those two people. Um, so, yeah, I can see that. That's one of those things that, like, I don't think was the director's intention. But that doesn't mean that it's not there. Yeah. Well, especially after seeing those, like, prominent shots of them, of each of them wearing the ring. Like, mm. that's where I'm, like... I feel like he is trying to maybe say something with it. See, I felt because the director, uh, Nacho's Vigolande. Yeah. Vigolando. 
plays the scientist. Yeah. And to me, I kind of felt like it may have been like a metaphor for like directing a movie. Mm. Like Nacho himself is like the director of this scientific laboratory. Okay. And he's just trying to make his little project here, his little project that will change the world. And then someone comes in with all their baggage and alters the course of what he was going to do with it. So now he has to like stop what he's doing and help this person. And the more that he helps them, the more baggage gets thrown into this he's like you know what like i know that i need to like help with this because it's like partially my doing but like this isn't what i intended my project to do not even supposed to be here today but in the end he has a much more interesting story because of all the baggage surrounding the machine that he made okay sure i just i just feel that it was odd that he like he chose i mean maybe it was a budget thing but like he chose to like play this part of like someone who doesn't want to like have to like manage all the problems that this guy is bringing, but understands that he's partially responsible for it. And it's his ass on the line. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do we get a definitive answer as to why he sent back number one? Because two and three like forced him to, well, three forced him to to send back one. Yeah, because well, I don't know if he forced him to. It's just how how did that go? It's like when three arrived shortly before, it was new to the scientist, and so he was like, "You have to do this," and yeah, something like that. Like each one when they were when well when two comes out, he says to do something with one and when three comes out he says to do something with two but i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) it's understandable that this is confusing like can you imagine being in the scientist place imagine being like in a, a classroom or a laboratory that's weekend and you're just like I'm going to get some, like, fun research done. Cause yeah, because, like, he, nor- he even said, like, normally he's not there on the weekends. Normally, but, like, I, I get the impression nobody is, but he's just like, I signed up. I was able to get this time, so I'm going to do some experiments. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just hear, like, beep, boop, 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 boop. Something's coming through. You'd be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then, like, you raise it, and it's this dude who's like, I'm going to hide. Two more people are coming through that are me. Yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for. I don't know. I put myself in his position a lot watching it this time, and it's just like, what a day he had. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. Because, yeah, he tries to, like, sabotage it a little bit by taking out, like, a battery and, like, throwing it out in the grass. and because Oh, because three said don't let two succeed or something like that. Yeah, and I think that was because two is the one that inadvertently killed his own wife. Right. So the idea was to not let him Yeah. go back. Boy, this is a twisty one. <laughs> Three was trying to prevent two from killing his wife, but he ends up crashing the van into a ravine, and that's when he's like, Never mind, just don't let two go back because I failed. Yeah, because he tries to knock two off his rhythm, and that's why the car gets slammed into. Right. Because he's like, 
Oh, you know what? It, it is probably three is trying to kill two. Two is not trying to kill one. No. Because you thought two was trying to kill one. I did I think, think it's that. three that's trying to kill two. Okay. Yes. Three is trying to kill two. Because if there's three of you, you can't just let it play out necessarily. There's going to be like one more Hector than time allows. If there's only one... They'll go back in time an hour, and they'll just be like a little loop for that one hour of, right. of two hectares. But with three, it's like you can't just let it play out. Like or the variables grow exponentially. Yeah. And it's just too much. Yeah. Like my brain is... Hurting. Yeah, I'm swimming right now a little bit. <laughs> well, then let's uh, shift gears here. Can we talk about the directing style a little bit? Because yeah. I think there is some directing style here that I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, it's not flashy necessarily, but he's also not afraid of camera movement, which is a complaint that I have for too many independent films. Mm-hmm. The that, final shot is great. Oh, it's like, it's not a drone shot, I want to say, but like... I don't know it, exactly how he did it. It's like a, It must be like a huge crane or yeah, something. Yeah, or something. But it goes from the backyard of the house up over the house... And yeah, it goes from like the backyard to the front yard, like over what this huge, gorgeous like mansion. I don't know if they ever say what the the husband and wife do for a living. Mm, I don't think so. They're renovating their house and it looks fabulous. Yeah, but it's like what a great ending shot, you know? Yeah. Although, and you know, this is my pet peeve. Does kind of have like a morally ambiguous ending. Sure does. Because uh, it's basically saying it's okay to kill this innocent girl if it means that you can get your life back on track yeah but the cops are on their way watching this i was like how are they going to explain the dead girl i I guess they would just say that she was climbing on their roof for some reason that's a that's a tough one yeah because the wife really doesn't know what was going on so there's like plausible deniability there it's like no my husband's just been hanging out in the backyard all day I don't know why he's all busted up. <laughs> I don't know why he's stabbed in the arm and has a big gash on his forehead. And he's like, it looks like he was in a car accident, two car accidents. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know. I just thought of that. I thought about that watching this time too. I'm just like, there's how does he get out of that murder? So it made me feel that like, because the last line of the movie is... We still have a while before it starts raining. He hears the thunder and he knows that like, oh, just because we hear thunder doesn't mean it's going to rain quite yet. But um, like that also could be like, we have a little bit of time before the shit hits the fan. Well, yeah, which I guess is the only way that you can have a morally satisfactory ending. Because, yeah, I don't know. I watched one was like, the poor girl died for no reason. Yeah, that sucks. But also, it kind of feels like he's not like a pure soul all through the movie, but it doesn't necessarily feel like he should be like punished for the rest of his life. Because it's like he kind of got sucked in unwillingly. Like he didn't. By himself? Yeah, he did, a little bit. He cause... didn't commit a sin necessarily. He just kind of got sucked into it. Right. Two said, you got to make sure one gets in here. Yeah. So that's how one gets in there. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a complicated one. How? Yeah. 
Time travel is fun to think about. When's the first time travel story, do you think? I meant to look this up. Ever? Yeah. You mean outside of like H.G. Wells' time machine? Is that it? Do you think that's the first one? I mean, of any significant note, I would feel so. You know, it's like 1800, late 1800s, 1870-something or something like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Time travel, I think, is a fascinating subject. I think the more we explore it, the less interesting it becomes because of the paradoxes like moving forward you know it just doesn't like there's a reason i'm not going to do time cop on this podcast are you not into time ripples or time waves or whatever the fuck they had in that so it's like you would go back in time change something and like it wouldn't instantly change things like you could go back to the present day and things would still be the same, and suddenly you'd see waves coming, and all the time would change. Yeah, not about it. <laughs> but it is fun to think about on a small scale like this. Yeah, because I think in the H.G. Wells story, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he only goes forward in time, not backwards. I think eventually he goes backwards. Does he? I, I mean, the, he? the climax of the movie is that he, go, he like, falls asleep in the machine. Mm-hmm. Or, like, he's, like, knocked out by something and, like, crawls in the machine and it goes forward, like, you know, 200,000 million years or something. And it's a totally unrecognizable society. But I don't I don't think he goes back in time. Yeah, maybe not. I'm not sure. I like time travel as a trope and an idea. I liked Looper a lot. I actually suggested uh, Time Crimes Looper double feature, but was shot down at the press conference. <laughs> um I think two movies about time travel now sounds dizzying, <laughs> but but um, it's a fun genre, even though you can't, it doesn't make sense. Like if you just, you have to give over to it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You, I think also what makes a successful time travel movie is like, you either have to make it fun enough, all uh, back to the future where you're, you're looking for the things that changed and like that's the, like those Easter eggs are part of the fun of the movie. Mm-hmm. Or you have to be tightly constructed enough, like this movie, to where you don't have the time to think about it that much because there's still plot unraveling in front of you. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the Terminator movies are time travel movies, but that's not a huge focus. They're not going back and forth. Like, they largely just take place in, you know, what was then present day. Right. So there's, there's not a lot of back and forth there. Like, Rick and Morty, like, tackles this stuff a lot, too. Where it's just like Rick and Morty have their own set of rules. Seriously, I mean, you just you really have to like set up your rules in your movie, and then just follow them. Mm -hmm. Primer is another good example of that, but that movie's like unintelligible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say I watched that in in my early twenties or mid twenties, and I couldn't wrap my head around it. But this one, this one's like it makes sense. Like maybe not to hear us explain it, but when you watch it, it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Going back to the adultery metaphor, why would he want to leave his wife? She seems hot. She's hot. She wants to fuck him. And he I, is I not gonna, a prize pig. No. <laughs> so just going to tell you. Charlotte would have just let that one go to slaughter. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene where she's just like, I think it's like right after she pats him and she walks away. She's like, she's got a nice tight butt on her. Yeah, she's cute. But she's like that one when he wakes up from the nap and she comes in and she's just like, mama horny. And yeah, like, she starts like kissing his chest and biting his nipple. And Yeah, you're just like, you're lucky, man. I don't know why your eye is straying, I guess is my point. Yeah, he's got great A puss at that point. Yeah. But, you know, he sees, like, a girl take her top off, and he's like, I gotta go check this <laughs> out. 
Also, I was like, you just got some. (laughs) What do you... I don't know. Given the opportunity, would you time travel? Forwards or backwards? Backwards one hour. That would just put me back here. (laughs) We'd have to record this whole episode again. (laughs) In that case, no. I used to think I would. You wouldn't anymore? I mean, what's the point? Sounds like boring. A little bit. (laughs) You don't want an extra hour out of your life? No. I mean, so... I never watched the movie, but I did read the book, The Time Traveler's Wife, which was very good. But there is a scene or a chapter early on when uh, this, the time traveler's wife's husband, uh, who is the time traveler, uh, is talking about how when he was a teenager, he time traveled to a time when he was a teenager and was like messing around with himself. Oh, we all know you do that. <laughs> And I'm like, hmm, I could see possibilities there. Really? That was part of the time traveler's wife? Yeah. That's what, like, planted the idea in my head. Oh, interesting. They put it like, how does he put it? He's like, I wasn't doing anything that a normal teenage boy wouldn't do. Fucking their older version of themselves? (laughs) Well, not, like, super older. It was, like, you know, months apart, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. You know, it's like a high school circle jerk or something. Yeah, that sounds kind of hot. Sure. You'd do it with yourself, right? No, we've talked about this. I would not. Even if it was just you and your high school self? No. I don't think I was cute in high school, though. Hmm. Do you think Hector was cute in high school? Mm. <laughs> no, probably not. It's a shame Hector wasn't gay, because then the thought would have crossed his mind. Where's the gay time travel thriller movie? That's what I want to know. Oh, boy. Sean Abley, where are you? <laughs> we need you. Boy, if there's one genre that we're really left wanting on, it's the the gay time travel movies. Haven't had any yet, as far as I know. I'm digging deep. I'm coming up empty. That is sad. What are some, what do you think a title would be? What's a good title of a gay time travel movie? Yeah. Um. Crow, no, she better not. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say something stupid like, you know, the time traveler's husband unbreaking the condom or something. (laughs) (laughs) I like yours much, much better. Okay. Maybe we should write this script. Okay. So, all right. In our script, how far back in time do we go? And what is the purpose? Okay. What do the characters want and what's stopping them from getting that? This character wants to get back to his original timeline because he was a hapless uh, sap in an accident, some time travel accident. So he got deviated from his timeline? Yes. Okay. You want to be like time crimes where he accidentally time yeah. travels? Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's a, he's a time travel assistant to a scientist who's doing time travel work. He's and, gay. And he's gay. Is the doctor, is the scientist gay? Well, we can play with it. But like the assistant, something happens one late night, could be makes a move on the doctor and the doctor's like no i'm not that way and so he gets upset he's like i'll prove my worth and like does the experiment himself goes back in time to a time when being gay was less acceptable okay so anytime (laughs) right yeah time in the past and uh you know we could send to to the 90s and like they don't have prep now left Ah. (laughs) um the 90s, like the four years ago. 
uh, uh, and then he f- he falls in love with the young professor. <gasps> the end? Question mark. <laughs> Crow knows she better didn't. I don't know. I don't have anything. I'm not a TV writer. I don't know. I, I think your Crow no. You you've struck gold there. There's, that that's got to be mined. That that okay. that mother load there that you've you've struck upon. The ore out of that has to be used for good. Okay. Okay. Anyway, time crimes. Time crimes. Nacho Vigolando. Have you seen any of his other movies? Yeah, I saw the social media one that he did. Open Windows. Is that what it was called? Oh, okay. I didn't see that. It was not good. See, I saw Colossal, and it was really disappointing. Oh, it was. Like, I've heard mixed things about that one. Some people love it. I did not love it. I thought it was kind of a downer, to be honest. I really wanted more out of it. Yeah, Open Windows from 2014. Okay. I did not care for it. One and a half stars is what I gave it. Oof. It's a shame, because, like, this movie's really good. The short he did, that was, like, big 7.35 in the morning. I don't know if you've watched that. It's pretty good. Ah. Actually reminds me a lot of the American Astronaut. Um, Mm. So another great example of just making great film on a budget. So it is weird that like he got worse (laughs) somehow. (laughs) Hey, not everyone can work with a crew. Like the, the, the bigger your movies become the less you are at every step of the process. That's true. You know, when it's you and three other actors, because he's one of the actors in this, and you can kind of have a say in the editing, you can have a say in how each shot looks, you can have a say in the sets and the costumes and blah, 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 blah. You know, by the time he's doing Colossal, and it's Anne Hathaway, who I'm sure has agents and managers and who else is in that is it jason sudeikis in that these aren't just you know people who audition they're like you got it like these are people who come with handlers and entourages yeah anyway we didn't talk too much about nacho vigalondo's style but like there is some style in this movie like that last shot i also like there's a part where like hector too is like slamming open a door and like on each slam he zooms in a little further oh yeah Which is small details like that. Where I'm like, you don't have to do that, but it, it adds. When to he the gets movie. out of the time machine, the way that it kind of pans around the time machine, I'm like, this is a good like dynamic shot. Yeah, or like um, when he when the car first goes down into the ravine, he hits his head, and then it pans up to show that he's like gone down the ravine, and then pans back down and shows mm. him in the car, and there's blood everywhere. Yeah, like there isn't blood at first, but it is it comes he, after. He's like, sort of a just small like things a, like that. He's sort of a good like meat and potatoes director. Like, yeah, he, he he doesn't bite off more than he can chew. He kind of chooses like this is how we're going to do it and we're going to sell it. We're going to do this pan the way that pans were meant to be done. And it just shows that like you don't need a huge toolkit to make something good. Like it's it's small tricks like the the blood on the forehead thing. I'm sure that either the actor had a blood thing that like when the camera went up he just put it on real quick and then put his hand down or somebody was behind him in the back seat and like put it on when the camera went up and like ducked back down. Mm-hmm. But it's like it looks great. 
Yeah. Like, just small stuff like that. I appreciate. I mean, um, I mean, the joy in this movie is the sort of uh, uh, unraveling of the mystery. Yeah. It's like even just little things like he's driving along when he's Hector 2 and he sees the uh, garbage tipped over. Oh, right. And yeah. then like that doesn't pay off till like act three, essentially. There's so many breadcrumbs and uh Kaufman chimpanzees I guess we'll say sure uh like there's just all these little things that are really just delicately and really precisely put out that pay off later so I don't know it's like a movie of just like constant little rewards it's like oh we saw that from earlier oh that makes sense oh the bandages turning pink right yeah it's just littered with little rewards all the way through that really sell it like start to finish and it just keeps you along the whole time it never lags no you're just ready to move on to the next thing every time yeah and it's nice to have a movie that like doesn't allow you to think forward or think too much behind like you're always just right with it in the present yeah yeah and isn't that appropriate for a movie called time crimes Beat up too, by the way. Poor Hector. Like, he has a day. <laughs> he he has a day. The scientist has a day. That poor bike girl has a day. She dies. <laughs> like, oh, after getting like stripped at Scissor Point. It's rough. Everyone's having a rough day. Yeah. Except for that wife. She got laid and then got <laughs> she got laid, got scared, and that was it. Anyway, I I think I've been wanting to do this movie for a long time. You know, it was on the original list of the things you do. So you know, just. As a reminder of that we've been doing this for a long time and that I'm grateful for you as a uh, podcast co-host. Thank you for oh, recommending it. Thank you. And um, it has brought a lot of joy to my life. I like this movie and I like doing this podcast with you. Aww. So I'm just expressing gratitude. What do we have next week? <laughs> next week. All right. We're, we're coming up on Pride. I'm gearing up. I know that you didn't want to... <laughs> Okay, well, just, I didn't get that memo. I was I was a little unclear on the assignment. You I don't guess. know when Pride Month is. I understand. I understand. I'm not working Pride this month, so I don't know. We're we're still fine tuning what we're going to be doing for our big double feature. But until then, I want gay stuff to be on our minds. Got it. I'm doing a big one. I'm swinging for the fences. I'm going to do Brokeback Mountain. What? Yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> I don't think I've seen this since 2004 or 5. After watching the ice storm last November, I was like, oh, I should revisit some Ang Lee stuff. And does this hold up, I guess, is my question, like, as we go into this one. Girl. I mean, when was the last time you watched Brokeback? Probably a good 10 years ago, at yeah. least. Yeah, maybe a little, probably a little more than that, actually, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think for me it was 2005. Yeah, I want to say, like, 8 or 9, somewhere in there. It's one that I've wanted to revisit for a while, and here we are, June, Pride Month. just feels like if we're going to do it, this is the time to do it. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. I'll get my tissues. For your cum. Yeah, we got some some young Jake Gyllenhaal and some some young Heath Ledger. Mm. (laughs) Daddy hungry. (laughs) You are considerably older than all of them. Yeah, now that I've hit that 40. Ooh.
old gay redhead? What box do you even check on the hate crime form? <laughs> Good thing I'm not traveling back in time <laughs> anytime soon. By the way, I've got an internship at this uh, science facility. <laughs> I'm real excited about it. I'll tell you about cool. it after. We can cool. get back cool, to cool, it. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, anyway, do you want to plug our junk and get the fuck out of here? Sure. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash movies. Yeah. If you have the time, go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and some five stars. We'd love it when you, when you do that because it bumps us up in search results. Follow us on the social medias, either Facebook at Rated X Movies or Twitter at X Rated Movies. And no one would consider it a crime if you emailed us at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. You're like withering at things that I'm doing. <laughs> this yeah. is gold, Matt. <laughs> no. <laughs> this outro is a crime. Like... <laughs> well, time will tell. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I gotta go. Okay. Anyway, thank you. Next week, we'll continue our gay palooza with Brokeback Mountain. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Goodbye. <laughs> okay.